At the age of six, my cousin showed up at our house with Shout at the Devil. For me, things would never be the same, and that's where my fandom of Motley Crue started. The first time I heard the sound of a Mick Mars guitar, Vince Neil's screaming vocals, the booming drums of Tommy Lee, and the bass playing of Nikki Six, I was a crew head. Seeing around two dozen shows, meeting all the guys in the band, and even being able to speak with them in person. This is Crew Cast. What is going on, crew heads? Jason here with you, and uh, today it is all about the formation of Motley Crew. Of course, uh, we all know as fans, Nikki Six a very motivated individual uh, from an early age, and we'll talk about all the traumas, things that he went through. We'll be touching on it from his book, The Dirt, and other resources. But let's just talk about January 17th, 1981, a young bassist, of course, at the time in a band called London, but... He wanted to do something much different. And, of course, the reputation of Motley Crue grew to be known for the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And it was really no accident because that's what he was uh, immersed in. Nicky was uh, in the use of substance, uh, working dead-end jobs, as we know. Of course, he talks about in the dirt being a carpet cleaner where he'd put a bottle of water in, say it was Scotch Guard, upsell it and charge more for that and things like that. But uh, was jamming with musicians in and around L.A. Of course, had the success with London, but uh, didn't really take off and wasn't really what he wanted out of it. And, uh, you know, London and an interesting band that we'll touch on on some other point. Of course, Blackie Lawless the Wasp, Guns N' Roses, Izzy Stratlin, both pre their bands that they got big with. But uh, Nikki Six, 22 years old, yeah, wanted his own band. And so mainly he decided uh, he wasn't going to do it by anybody else's fucking rules, which isn't that what being a crew head is about. It's a lot about not going by anybody else's rules. Well, he uh, teamed up, of course, with Tommy Lee. T-Bone, uh... T-Bone's just, uh, he's, he's wild all the time. He's, he's loud, he's funny, he's got a lot of energy. If, if party's ever dying, he's the guy that brings it up. And then guitarist Greg Leon, and uh, they had the band together, Sweet 19. Greg Leon soon quit the band. Six and Lee, they had to find another guitarist. They hadn't really yet named the group. And so they searched uh, through different ways of trying to find a guitarist. Of course, at the time, there was a popular magazine called The Recycler. And that's where they happened upon a statement from a guitarist. The ad now infamously read, Loud, Rude, Aggressive Guitar Player Available. Tommy and Nicky met each other through a, a friend of theirs that they had both together, and they found me through an ad in the paper. Loud, rude, and aggressive guitar player, me. After seeing the ad, Mick Mars was asked to audition and then immediately join the band. The interesting thing, of course, that uh, you may or may not know, Mars and Six, they had met prior to this audition, although they didn't get along very well at the time. Of course, at the time, Mick Mars was in a band, and uh, Nicky Six decided to get some $2 tequila shots at the Stone Pony. Six, at the time, was using speed and drinking when uh, the two had their first encounter. Uh, Mars looked at Six, uh, who undoubtedly, you know, just a different-looking individual at the time. But they got to talking, talking about what bands that they were into. Of course, Mick Mars, being that he had much different influences 
than Nikki Six, kind of just whatever with this fucking kid behind the counter. But McMars did actually invite Nikki Six to come check out his band play at the Stone Pony. So when Six got off work, uh, he got drunk, walked into where McMars was playing in his band at the time. And here's the infamous story that uh, he told about it. Working in this liquor store, Mick came in and asked me, you know, if I was a musician or whatever. I said, yeah. And uh, I said I was like into Aerosmith and uh, Ted Nugent, uh, you know, Kiss, stuff like that. And it was happening back in like 1979, 78. And Mick, Mick was into like Bebop Deluxe, uh, bunch of weird jazz, Jeff Beck. So instantly we didn't get along, instantly. And I think he left the store, told me to fuck off or something, you know. I swear to God, and that's how we met. And then that night, he, well, he goes, well, if you want to see a real guitar player, come down and see me. I'm playing this place called The Stone Pony. And he was in a band called Spiders and Cowboys. And I went in there, and he was just ripping on the guitar, doing a slide guitar solo with the mic stand and everything. Blew me away. So in 1981, put Motley Crue together. Mick comes in, and, uh, you know, he's auditions for the band. You know, we're playing together. For God, it must have been a month. And one day, I just, like, kind of, I went, are you that guy? And he goes, I thought you were that guy. And we hated each other. We met. But now we're, like, best friends. Of course, after that chance encounter, the two started hanging out, talking. And uh, with bass, guitar, and drums now locked down with Mick Mars in the band, they invited a singer simply named Odin to front the band. Of course, after cutting demos, which uh, if you watch the Dirt movie, this stuff isn't included in there. This is stuff that was kind of left out. Uh, Odin got sacked. Uh, he just did in exchange for a singer that Tommy Lee knew in high school. Tommy Lee was really behind a platinum blonde in a rock band called Rock Andy. And after watching him perform, they knew they found their lead singer. But Vince Neil wasn't immediately on board with it at all. He turned it down. Over and over, but Tommy Lee was persistent, persuaded Vince Neil to audition. And they went down to the Starwood and saw me singing. <laughs> and uh, when he got in, in contact with Neil, the front man mentioned his band screwed him over, so he agreed to do the audition. Then in April 1st, uh, 1981, with a girl that the rest of the guys would dub Lovely, uh, and she proceeded to see if the band was the right fit for Vince. Uh, though she didn't agree, Neil joined the band, which kind of we saw it in the Dirt movie. They kind of painted the picture a little bit different. Of course, you got to fit a story into 90 minutes, and that's just the way it goes. But uh, Neil joined the group anyways, and just minutes into rehearsal, Nikki was rewriting lyrics to suit his new singer's voice, the first song they put together, Livewire, which that did hit on in the dirt movie and that was factual well they went on to uh, uh the opening track off of their debut record of course livewire was the quartet eventually landed on the name motley crew it was suggested by mick mars but there seemed to be kind of a bit of a different story surrounding it and uh, there was of course different iterations of the name before motley crew was landed on he said at one time he was sitting around with all of his friends and someone comes in and goes isn't this a motley looking crew Oh, and he cool. goes, well, that's that's kind of cool. So he wrote it down. I mean, we were going to call the band Christmas. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Hi, I'm Christmas. <laughs> All right, well, so that was Vince's take, of course, on where the name Motley Crue came on. And could you imagine if they had named the band Christmas? 
and the bass player for Christmas, Nikki Six and Mick Martin. No, it just wouldn't have worked. Being the band called Christmas and things like that, thank fucking God they didn't do that, right? Well, uh, with the bands being dubbed a motley-looking crew by an individual... They decided to do a couple of different adjustments. Of course, uh, Vince Neil talks about sitting around and they're drinking some beer. And so from there, of course, the band put the umlets in it. Uh, that was the two dots over the O and the U and Motley and Crew. And uh, over the course of the next three decades, of course, one of the biggest bands in the world selling in excess of 100 million records with five studio albums going platinum. Some of them several times over, and uh, their reputation was a tour manager's literally their worst nightmare altogether. And as they uh, unseated any band before them who had previously laid claim to being the baddest group in rock and roll, Motley Crue, of course, went on to the total overall fame and infamy. So, you know, it, it is such a fitting thing that the band was dubbed Motley Crue. Of course, you got this platinum blonde-looking dude, kind of a beach-going guy. And I think the beginning of the video for home sweet home plays it up so well where vince is out at the beach tommy's in like a jazz club mick mars is in what looks like this demonist dungeon you know nikki six is hanging out with people at the party and it just so truly is i mean vince neal from his background you know where he came from of course uh, you know things will touch on even being a father at a young age kind of being this total glamorous blonde guy to front these three other dark ominous looking figures you know mick mars of course a guy that uh, you know had this, this health issue way on much older than the other guys in the band and was kind of like that father figure and i think definitely kind of played that for nikki throughout and i think that's in a weird way how nikki kind of views him as that big brother that was there for him that he never had in a in a way and of course tommy lee the kid we sometimes forget Tommy Lee has never ever ever had a real job he went from doing this uh, from high school into this band and all the other things he's done and it's what he's done and of course you know Tommy Lee's story is also interesting with the uh, father that was in the military a mom from Greece they hardly were able to communicate but they are so deeply in love which probably why he's got a kind of that soft side of him that he's really in the times that I met Tommy Lee such a kind and loving individual totally enthusiastic and the interesting thing about him gives you 100% of his attention. Whereas Mick Mars, you know, with this tour pending, uh, really doesn't give a shit about his health matters. His thing is, you know, he's known for a long time when doctors probably told him way back when, we don't know how long of a lifespan you got with this. So for him, it's about getting up there and doing what he does. And, of course, Nikki, I think, where he's at now in life, becoming a father once again, um, you know, a lovely family, is uh, getting out there on the road. And this thing that was the angst from him from childhood, that it's still getting that out, and it's cathartic for him and therapeutic. And, of course, Vince Neil, you know, no matter what you say, what you have uh, an opinion on where he's at now, I totally have the faith that he is getting in 100% shape and condition to go out and kick ass on this tour with Def Leppard, Poison, and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, that he is a, a fully committed individual, and he just is one of those people that he gets up there, that that charisma that Mick Marr saw when Mick Marr said, I don't care if he can sing a note, that's our guy. And so... The inception of Motley Crue, yeah, 1981 was when it started, 
And uh, they never looked back since January 17th, 1981 with those starry eyes. So lots of great more tales to tell here on CrewCast. Of course, if you have yet to subscribe, make sure you do so. Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And then follow us on social media. It's uh, CrewCast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And go there, tell a friend, spread the word. I'm going to have some contests coming up where I'm going to be giving away Motley Crew merchandise on there and so much more. So thank you guys for listening. Crew heads are best. Fuck the rest. <laughs>